0: All right. Well, welcome everybody. It is Thursday at one o'clock. My name is Tom Miller and we are here for our weekly school leadership community call. Uh, and I'm very excited for this day because I'm excited for every day that I get to wake up. Cause that's just number one. That's the number one thing. But number two, we're going to have a special guest who I feel is go is going to entertain and educate all of us. And we all need that. Um, as we're all in like corn. I just saw like a recent term it was like corn, corn fuzz or qu- Corn blur days, or something like that. I just—they all just blur right back together uh, for me. But it is Thursday. It's one, and so with me as always is—is is my teaching partner and business partner, Katie. Right now, Katie, how are you today? Katie's at the beach now, everybody. So, if you start seeing her, start to look out the window. She's looking at the ocean. And uh, Rhonda Dillingham, our strategic partner from the North Carolina Association for Public Charter Schools, is with us. Rhonda, you doing well today?
1: I'm doing great. Thanks. Uh,
0: Rhonda never moves. She's always in that same spot, everybody. If you're on any call, that is, that is Rhonda's spot. So, looks like Everybody's we're a,
1: gonna get sick of seeing that picture behind me.
0: <laughs> looks like we're getting a really good crowd. And so, I'm gonna spend about 60 seconds here and then I'm gonna introduce our guest and let him take the show. But if you were on our call Tuesday, Katie and I led a special call and we specifically talked about these four buckets, right? These four, these four buckets that we think leaders should be thinking through. And one was time, right? What's your calendar going to be? What's your daily day going to look like? Another one was school culture, right? Because we know culture eats vision for breakfast, so it doesn't really matter. So those are the rules, the unwritten rules and the, and the written rules, right? So we're trying to navigate through all those. And then we talked about your plan, right? What's your education plan going to be? The fourth bucket it's really the most important bucket out of all is your people bucket. None of that stuff matters. If your people aren't healthy, none of that matters. If your people aren't bought in, none of that matters. If they don't feel safe and secure and feeling good, and so yesterday I was I was on one of my mentoring calls and they had talked about how do you feel when you're sick? Everybody like you feel good, like you feel you want to put in that extra that extra energy, you know, when you're not feeling well. They had Mm -hmm. talked about that where your focus goes, your energy flows. And so this, this, you know, this virus attacks those important cells that keep us healthy every day. But also stress attacks those cells, anxiety attacks those cells, right? That we need to keep our focus in the right place. And educators, there's 41 of you on at this point right now, we don't take very good care of ourselves. And we're some of the more healthy people. Right. So part of our job as individuals with higher levels of awareness is to help the people with lower levels of awareness be healthier through what we do and what we bring to them and what we help them understand. So that's why I brought in uh, today our team's been talking about we really need to bring in experts who know more about social and emotional learning, who do it for a living, who do it in schools, which is even better. So one of uh, Katie and my uh, teammates from the John Maxwell team, Ed Reed. Uh, He does this and he works in Baltimore's hitting schools and uh, he's been doing this for some time and he, he has so much energy and so much excitement. He's, I've seen him on the big stage and a little stage. And every time I spend five minutes on the phone with him, I just feel energized and ready to do something because he's just a lot of fun. So I wanted to bring in Ed uh, because we only bring in individuals that we trust to our community. And Ed is someone that I trust. And I feel as though you're going to get a lot of value out of what he has to share. He's going to share a lot of resources things for you to do as next steps, right? So this, this, this is not just a, oh, that was fun to listen to. This is a, okay, what did I learn? And what am I going to do with it? Most importantly, because whether you realize it or not, your first day of school is less than 100 days away. I know some of you are finishing up your school year, but your first days of school is less than 100 days away. And we've got to keep this going, but it starts with the people. So my friend, Ed Reed, Ed, I'm going to give you uh, the floor, and you've got total control, my friend. Thank you so much for spending time with us uh, today uh, with our school leadership uh, community.
2: Hey, you got it, man. Let, let, let's rock and roll. Let's, let's dive in. And j- just one a hey, thank you, Tom, for that great introduction. And j- just one clarifying piece. So I'm not in Baltimore City, but the name Ed Reed is phenomenal in Baltimore City because a young guy, Play football, so I, if if you thought you were going to see Ed Reed, the free safety, <laughs> no, you see the older Ed Reed, but I still got the muscle. So, nevertheless, though, I, I'm in a uh, I live out in a little town called poolsville Maryland, but I work in a school system. You might have heard of it, Montgomery County Public Schools, out in Rockville, Maryland, and it's that I, I share something with you, and we all we all have our why. We all have the reason. We got drugged into we got put into, or we volunteered to come into, this field of education. For me, I was working in uh, corporate sales. And Tom, let me know if my sound goes out so I'm not just talking and people can't hear me. But I used to be in, education is a second career. Prior to working in education, I grew up, we had a family owned business, sedans, limousines, shuttle buses, And then when my dad pulled out of that company, I was like, okay, now's my chance. And I got into corporate sales. And so I was doing business development for UPS, uh, competing against Federal Express out here in Washington, DC. And I had large sales territory. And I'll never forget, here I am in my 20s, late 20s. And in my mind, I'm thinking I'm gonna be the next multimillionaire. And so I'm walking out Coca-Cola has an office right on Pennsylvania Avenue. Now in my 20s, I didn't know why so many corporate um, companies had offices in Washington, D.C. It wasn't until I got older and understood politics that everybody wanted a presence. So nevertheless, here I am in my 20s, about 27 years old. I'm walking down the street and I hear this lady go, brother, brother, you in that fine suit. Do you think you're too good to help somebody? I turned around, looked at her and I looked at the guy sitting on the sidewalk next to her and he's just holding up a little cardboard sign. So I dropped $5 in the cup. Now I used to buy some folks some hot dogs off the street cause we had hot dog vendors. For you young folks, before they were food trucks, they were hot dog vendors. You get some chips and a soda. You get a meal for less than $3. Nevertheless, I dropped $5 in the cup. The next day, I'm in that same sales territory, and here this man is sitting on the sidewalk, and he's reading a Bible. Now, I'm not a saint, but I do love the Lord, right? And I was saying, hey, what, what's your deal? Why are you here? What, what happened to you? And he said, I'm making peace with my life before I die. And I said, uh-huh, okay, so what's wrong with you? Why aren't you working? And he said he had HIV. So, oh, I said, how would you get that? And then... He said he had a blood transfusion. Now here where I live, there's a little hospital that's no longer in existence. It was called DC General Hospital in Southeast Washington, DC, which used to be a rougher part of town. Well, the guy didn't get, he got bad blood. They never tested the blood. And then he told me he had a job, but he went to these doctor's appointments, lost the job. When he lost the job, He lost his home. When he lost the home, he moved into a family shelter. And what broke my heart, he said he had a son in eighth grade. And he said, my time is drawing near. And I'm trying to make peace with my life before I go. And I'm worried about my son. As any millennial would have done had we called us millennials back in those days, we would have said, and I said it, that's not fair. I said, God, come on. Does this man know he can sue for bad blood? You can't get fired because you're going to the doctor. And then I asked the question that gets me in trouble. I said, Lord, what would thou have me to do? And when he said, go work with some kids, I said, are you kidding me? I said, let me make a couple million dollars. I said, I'll retire in my late 30s, and then I'll go do whatever you want. Two weeks later, I get a phone call because I had a master's degree in school counseling that I went and got so I could prove to the law schools that I was capable of being a good student. And as it, what any good principal would do, they said, I need a warm body. It's not going to hurt the kids. I need a long-term sub. And <laughs> I got a call to come in to meet the principal. Now, the recruiter said, Ed, are you interested in being a long-term sub? Now, remember, I'm working a corporate job. I said, well, are there any benefits? They said, no. I said, no, I'm not interested. And I looked at the pay. It's like $89 a, a, a day for a full day's work or something like that, or $89. No, it wasn't $89 an hour, $89 a day. And I said, man, these folks are crazy. You'll be in the poorhouse. But then the principal said, she said, just come, I want to just come talk to you. Man, and she walked me around that daggone building. And I saw them kids, and I knew this is where I was supposed to be. And I left the corporate job. My girlfriend had a fit because she was working for Procter & Gamble. So that didn't work out too well. And then I became a high school counselor. A few years after that, when I was about to go back to the corporate world, the assistant principal said, rumor has it you are on your way out. I said, y'all crazy. I said, you don't make no money. I got to go. She said, Ed, have you thought about being an administrator? I said, I looked at the pay scale and I could do the job. She said, well, you should really consider because you make a difference with kids. And then I talked to my buddy. He said, Ed, look, if you become an administrator, you're going to make less money than you make now with all the hours that you put in. I said, well, no, the pay scale still looks good. So long story short, I went back to school, got a master's degree in school administration. Uh, my fourth year, they were finishing up the program. I became an acting assistant principal. The following year, I became a high school uh, assistant principal. And I spent a tremendous amount of time in high school administration, got married, had some kids. And then my son put me on the spot when he was four because I worked so many night events that I had to, I hit a crossroad moment, which was would I continue on the track that I was on? I would I dial back a little bit, spend some time with my kids, helping them to grow up and still keep a foot in the game. And so what I did is I prayed and I went through, I said, All right, I'm gonna spend these amount of years with my children and coach their teams and do all that stuff that I never had a chance to do. I got involved with the John Maxwell team, and I've always kept a foot working with businesses. And and so I'm giving you my background, because I'm coming to you from a perspective of the mental health, the administrative perspective, and the business and community leader perspective. And, and so, when we look at where we are now, and I, we, we're in a time where the social, emotional well-being of students, parents, staff, you guys, one another, right, uh, business leaders, community leaders, the social emotional well-being is so important, and it was important before COVID, that now that COVID's here, it's even more important. And, and I'm still on my soapbox about we have to be leaders in schools and community to address suicide rates. But that's not what this discussion is about. But I still look at suicide as the second leading cause of death, according to the CDC, for young people between the age of about eight and 30. And so what brings me here today in the time that we have, let's talk about, Tom and I were talking and we were talking about, let, let's look at this whole thing of social emotional learning. And so what we're going to do, I'm gonna share my screen with you. I'm on two computers, so you see a funny looking guy in a red tie and you see this other guy right here. But let's look at social emotional learning, all right? and talk about why is it important? And understanding those five simple competencies of social emotional planning. And let's look at what is your strategic plan moving forward? Because everybody needs to have a game plan. And if you haven't started working on your game plan, then if you haven't started yesterday, you really need to get started today. And we understand that sometimes no matter what state you're in, There are politics that play a role in it. You got to look at what is the governor going to say? What is the state superintendents going to say? You know, what are all the different stakeholders and the influencers who influence those who make critical decisions? And you might come up with a plan only to find out 24 hours later something has changed. So you got to know how to, you got to adapt, adjust, and create. Remember that, adapt, adjust, and create, AAC. We adapt, we adjust, we create. So what do we know? We know students and educators, man, they have to be nurtured towards success. It is not all about test scores. It's not all about numbers, but it affects the numbers. Our data is impacted because the reality, and when I did sales, you know, it, it's regardless whether I was selling UPS or FedEx, people make decisions based on how they feel, especially when they have options. And so when we look at when kids have options and parents have options of where they're gonna send their kids to school, what's gonna drive from a business perspective, what's gonna drive that decision is gonna be an emotional decision back with some rationalized knowledge. But at the end of the day is about how they feel. And so what I wanna do right now, let's, I want you to think about a time when you experienced some strong emotions Related to some event in your life Maybe you're feeling stressed. Maybe it's anxiety anger joy. All right in the chat box Just write, you know, what was the outcome? How did you handle the situation? How did you handle your own emotions when you found yourself in a tight situation or a rough situation? So let's take we'll take a minute uh, Or two let's go ahead and let's see what's gonna come through in the chat box. right, I see a few of them coming in here. I know you're not a shy and bashful group. I love the disc assessment. Prayer, optimism, quiet time. Talk to a mentor and develop a plan of action. Look for a plan to convince others to join in. Okay, here we got some great ones coming through. And I tell you what, we got time for one or two who might have that? If you guys are familiar with the disc, some of you might be a high eye. And so, any high eyes out there who want to jump in, and you just can't just keep chatting in the chat box, go ahead and unmute yourself and share with us. And Tom and I gonna keep you honest on the time though. So, somebody who likes to speak and, and share, this is your opportunity.
0: Yeah, have them have them raise their hand. If you guys can raise your hand, then I, I can. Or if you find can raise your, your hand, hand. Yeah. Tom,
2: are you able to see who's raising the hand? I can. okay well raise your hand and my good buddy Tom will call on you see if
0: we got yeah I was just thinking that as as everybody was you know texting through like I've just learned so much recently how much I seek control and accuracy in stressful situations Mm -hmm. and my tone rises and I'm like oh my gosh like are you a D I'm a, I'm a, uh, I'm a, uh, CDI. So yeah, so it's, it's, it's oh, sorry. Really bad.
2: CDI. I'm, yeah. I'm an ID who switches between D and I.
0: Yeah. My poor wife. I don't see any hands up, Katie. I see, I see Kathy. Kathy, did you sneak a hand up there, Kathy?
2: Oh, I'm a
3: DI just like you, Ed. So I, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm the one who dives in. I mean, just the other day, I, I, we were loading the car to come down to the beach, and my son had not taken all of his stuff out of the car, so I was like, okay, I'll just take it out and ask him where he wants it, and he got mad at me because he wanted it in the car because it was going to Goodwill. He, he failed to see that we needed the space in the car, so I was like, what do you want me to do with it? <laughs> because I was irritated because he, he wasn't grateful that I had done the job he should have done, and then he got mad at me, so I just said, I'm like, just tell me what you want me to do with it, and then we're done here. I just wanted out of the situation.
2: All right, yeah, thank you, Kathy, for sharing. All right, and, and, and we got time for one or two more. Anybody else? Tom, you let me know if you see any hands. Don't see any hands. All right, I'm practicing wait time. You I mean, that's what you do. You yeah. give people an opportunity <laughs> to process what you said, and then you encourage them to answer before they volunteered.
1: I can share that um, <clears throat> when my mother died unexpectedly I was overwhelmed with feelings of, of grief and loss and my aunt who was very wise said when you're feeling overwhelmed by uh, feelings like that especially grief um, the most important thing is not to think too far down the road, like, what's Christmas going to look like without her and that sort of thing, but instead to take it one day at a time. And I think that's really important uh, to um, not put too much pressure on yourself whenever you're feeling overwhelmed. Is just to look at what needs to be done right now in the moment and then uh,
2: let that other stuff take care of itself. All right. Hey, Thank you, Rhonda. And I will switch it up a little bit. What about a time when your students experience strong emotions? Because, but before we can help our students and our staff, we got to own and help ourselves first. See, if we can't be honest with ourselves and deal with our own stuff, then we are not positioned to give our very best because our best is waiting for us to be honest. And so we gotta process some things in our life. So now when you look at that same question and we don't necessarily have to go in the chat, but I want you to think about when your students, as your students are experiencing strong emotions right now, how are you handling the situation? What do you say to the little student who's in fifth grade, who's been looking forward to that promotion ceremony that their older siblings went through that they don't get to do it the same way what do you tell them any thoughts
0: yeah and this is uh, this is what i'll do it i will i will unmute everybody if you just mute yourself on your side that way we'll know we'll have that and then in about 30 seconds i'll unmute because maybe we have a race hand uh, button problem but you okay. know what you just brought up a great point like i got a you know i got a rising seventh grader and a rising uh, second grader and i could tell over the last two weeks or so because the school consistency has kind of deteriorated they're really missing their friends and i don't know what to tell them right like as as a parent i'm like we'll go do your your work and t- to hear them say well it doesn't really mean anything you know and it's like oh my gosh this is a whole different conversation and i don't know if i'm equipped to have that conversation right cuz i'm always going to lean on well you know it's the work you have to do it's what your teacher put in there and it's interesting to watch them as a you know he's 7 and she's 12 like they're very aware of what's happening and i can't even imagine what is happening in other neighborhoods um you know especially the school that i had just left like it's it's you know it's it's really tough i think from from an adult's perspective because I've never experienced it before, right? This level of empathy is not really my strength. <laughs> that's right. so always a challenge for me.
2: Well, hey, thank you, Tom. And, and then it's the last part of that question that's not on the screen. What do you do when it's your own kid?
3: Hmm.
2: Right? No, and, and, and so we have that professional role. But then it it. It. Well, I mean, we got to do something. I can't have him not coming to get All right, Tom, here you go. <laughs> so what, what we'll do is, I noticed everyone was diving in a little bit there, but but think about that, right? And so we're, I'm going to move through this, but, but I want you to think about how do you deal with it when it's you? How do you deal with it when it's your staff? But then how do you deal with it when it's your own kid at your house, your niece, your nephew, your grandchild, your child? I My daughter looked up at me, and I'm a girl, dad, and my daughter looked at me just the other day when she realized the reality that there was not going to be the fifth grade promotion and all the times he said, daddy, but we had so many things planned, daddy, we don't get to go on the patrol picnic. All right. And, And so what do we do? We have to really look at this whole social emotional learning, right? What do we know about kids? I'm not going to read this whole list to you, But, but both kids and adults, they've been facing challenges. But now we've added a new one to the list of challenges that we were already fighting as educators, we were already dealing with an increased pace of life. We were already dealing with economic uncertainties, over-scheduling of kids, lack of access to resources competing priorities and then COVID-19 came in like a roaring lion and just silenced all the hyenas with a brand new problem and so once again what so what do we do well what I've seen as probably one of the best ways to address this situation is looking at social emotional learning so what do we know about social emotional learning, right? So there's a process. There's a process. Tom used the word awareness earlier. And when we look at this, we work the will. One of the things that I do with students, with teachers, I have a, I had what you see, that little picture you see on this bottom of the screen, I have it blown up on my wall and on tax. And oftentimes I say, okay, we gotta work. Yes, you can get the PowerPoint. Um, and one of the things we got it what I do I said we got to work the wheel I said we got to go from red to green and we don't have a lot of time to do it sometimes I get kids Now you guys never might never had to deal with two kids having a conflict that needed some conflict resolution but I've broken up enough fights in my day and do mediation and what I've done more read more now that I do it, I take this poster off my wall, I put it in the center of my table. I say, I said, fellas, and sometimes I said, ladies, we gotta work the will. And I said, it's great to have this level of self-awareness. Right? And, and I'm gonna work the will with you guys. Five core things. So what do we do? We start off self-awareness. What is self-awareness? Right. Well, it's obvious you got to be aware of yourself, but let's dive in a little deeper. And that self-awareness is being able to recognize your emotions. So we start off in that red area, self-awareness. How do I feel? Right. Those are emotions. How you feel is how you feel and how you feel is real to you. And others might not feel the same way, but we have to respect how they feel. But then there is a difference between self-awareness and self-management. because now we got to know how to manage our emotions, which is man- a manifestation of our behavior, so that we can begin to meet these goals that we've set for ourselves. We all have desired outcomes. And so oftentimes, I'll give you another example. teacher comes in your office and is complaining about something that happened. Now, my high D might not want to hear all that, but my I might sit back and say, okay, let me listen. And then I was listen, I said, so tell me how you feel. Oh, that's how you feel. So tell me what you're going to do based upon how you feel and how does that align with what you're trying to accomplish? Well, I'm just so mad, or oh, that parent, yeah, I know that parent could be, be a real trip. So how are you going to manage your feelings toward that parent who always be saying stuff to you that's not appropriate because you still got to be able to communicate with that parent and make sure that you remain professional. So what are you going to do? And so we move from awareness to management, but then we go, we start cooling off. We go into that social awareness area. And that is when we begin to have a little empathy, right that, that we're doing out in my district we're doing a lot of distance learning some of my colleagues will say i don't like it when the kids don't show their face their response is they showed up The response is let's take a step back to awareness and let's look at social awareness and let's not forget at the middle school level it's a time of self-identity, self-doubt, body image concerns. And do you really think those who don't want to show their face? Do you think it's because they don't want you to see their face, or do you think it might be they don't want to be made fun of by their peers in an environment where you won't be? You won't be on the TikTok, you won't be on the Snapchat, but they will take a picture of what's happened. On they'll take a they'll grab their phone. Take a picture of the screen and go post that thing and make fun of the other kid and what are you going to do? Suspend the kid who did it, who's already at home? No. So we got to be socially aware. Let's take it up a notch. When you're developing your plan for next year, and some of you might be looking at numbers and some of you might be looking at how do I keep my students engaged? How do I keep my community? uh with me right well then we gotta look at our social awareness what are they going through what are the differences what are the challenges and we gotta keep a pulse on what are their options and then what you'll hear me say throughout this time together i would circle we if this was a hand and we're all together i would tell you get your red pen and circle relationship skills now, more than ever, the relationship skills are king and queen. Because, as I said earlier, from what, now I'm putting on the business cap. People make tough business decisions in how they will allocate their resources, often by how they feel. Most decisions that are made They hit an emotional nerve, not the logical nerve, especially in times of crises and trauma. You ever hear someone say, I know I shouldn't be doing this, but you know what? Excuse my language. but the hell with it? You know, this is what what I got to do. I know I don't need to be going over to uh, on uh, Amazon, but you know what? We just going to buy this thing. I'm just going to put this on my card because it's going to help my kids feel a little better because I feel so sorry for them because they couldn't have a fifth grade promotion ceremony. And we're going to stretch it a little bit. That's an emotional decision, not a logical decision. But it's logical when you anticipate and you take in consideration the emotional impact of their situation. And so we have relationship skills. It's so key. Then on the wheel, when we work the wheel of social emotional learning, there is that decision making. Sometimes you're going to have time to make a decision, but sometimes you have to make a decision within 30 seconds. And you got to run through the wheel to look at the multiple impacts of a decision. And then perhaps you'll be like some of the great leaders are hold up a book, you know, which is at my fingertips. Good leaders ask great questions. Why do the good leaders ask great questions? Because they need information. The more information and insight you have, now you have a, a, a level of awareness that you didn't have before. So a good leader who asks great questions is better positioned to increase their social awareness. And sometimes we gotta ask ourselves the great questions. Sometimes we gotta be tough on ourselves So we can create options that we didn't see before. So what do we do? All right. The teacher side. Teacher social emotional learning, self-assessment. Why? Because you got to have awareness. See, some teachers might say, I am a, you fill in the blank, teacher. I don't need all that touchy feely stuff. This is what the kids need to do. This is how they're being assessed. Don't come to me about social emotional stuff what are you going to do with the kid who's interrupting my class, all right? Or what are we going to do about the kid who's in attendance problem? You know, whatever it might be. But when we break it down through the lens, and we see there's social interactions, and then there are instructional interactions, but they are all rooted in social-emotional learning. And you, you'll see at the bottom some of the leading organizations in social-emotional learning. My favorite is Cassell, the collaborative action of social emotional learning. And so when we look at this piece, we look at a two pronged approach to raising student achievement, but also it's not just about the achievement. But if you want, what I've learned in my career is that if you want to know how to increase achievement, deal with the emotional side. I'll, I'll never forget, uh, I was working in one high school. And uh, we had some kids that are uh, that were kind of on the tough side, and so I remember it was my first time as a, a high school assistant principal. I wasn't acting AP anymore, so here I am. I get to this school, and uh, you had a higher farms rate, and but also had kids who were, had a magnet program as well. So you had everybody in that school. It was like being in a little city, but I'll never forget my strategy. Now. True confession, time out, true confession. I'm Ed Reed, I'm a reformed knucklehead, and I'm still in recovery. And so I was able to use some of my street smarts to say, assess the situation of who had social influence in the school. You had an SGA president and all that, and that's cool. But you also had some folks who reminded me of a younger version of Ed Reed run, who would be right who weren't always the model students so what do we do the social interaction I understood I stepped back and I watched to see who moves when this person says a word I did that for the students but I also did that with the staff because leadership is influence not titles Titles are a position where you are in charge of managing resources. Leadership is a function where you influence people to move into action. And we can never get the two confused. Often leaders must manage people, must manage resources and processes, but leaders must lead people. And I would watch and I would when I used to coach APs, and I would tell them, pay attention to who is the influential leader in the staff they might not be the department chair but that's the person when the meeting is over everybody huddles around that's the person who sends a message and people move that's the person you influence don't worry about everybody else if you can influence the influencer you're going to be in the game and so what i did with that one kid with the group of kids i go post up on the wall with them and i tell them to get to class and they wouldn't be going. And as we built relationships, when I tell the kids get to class, then I just tell a couple of kids, man, everybody needs to get on their way and get to class. Then the rest of them would say, hey, Mr. Reed said y'all need to get to class. And Mr. Reed tell you to do something, y- y'all, y'all better get moving. I leveraged my relationships of influence to influence those where I did not have influence. And then over time I built influence. So we look at social in- interactions, what happens, I spent a little bit more time on this slide, but when the referrals decrease, you can see an increase in uh, performance. And so when we, we look at this whole teaching framework, right? We look at some of our practices. All right, and we said, Kansas, how have you had insight in its success? Uh, hey, this is interactive. Kathy, tell me, unmute for a second, Kathy, break your question down for me.
3: No, Ryan Bender had said that he was using um, the castle's Kindness in the Classroom. So I asked him how he had adapted it for remote learning. And so um, they said that they provided extra enrichment other than the core classes during remote learning and uh, the curriculum comes with small extension projects. So I was like, oh, well, so has it been successful? You know, so just, yeah. So we're having a little side conversation about about SEL.
2: it's all good. (laughs) All right, and so let's see here. Did I this hopefully I didn't lose you guys? I still got you. Can Kathy, can you still hear me? You're good. Yeah. All right, cool. So so what happens, let me go back. You can t- and I will share this presentation with you for your for your uh, your slides there. I mean for your files, but you can look at a couple of the domains. These are practical things that we can do. How do we plan? How do we build culture? Tom mentioned the word culture earlier. How is instruction delivered? And so let's take what Kathy was just saying about even in a virtual platform. And let me make one thing clear. Remember, we're not doing distance learning. We're doing pandemic learning. Pandemic learning is different than distance learning. Distance learning, Is a choice. Pandemic learning is forced upon you. Students and teachers might say, I never signed up to do this. And so now you have a wide range of emotions that you have to contend with. And so I'll bring us back. And and, and when I bring us back, we work the real, the will. Now I just put self-regulation at the top because we gotta regulate ourselves. And when we look at what is self-management, how I regulate myself, self-awareness is self-awareness. Social awareness is our social skills. Empathy, our relationships, decision-making. What's the internal motivation to make the decision? And, And so when we find ourselves you know, in a position where we have to answer the question. It's, why do we need to address emotional well-being? Why do you think, I'll put some slides in front of you, but take a minute, right, in the chat, right, a sidebar to your sidebar, answer this question for me. Why do you think we need to address emotional well-being? And not a dissertation, just a couple of key points. Let's take uh, 45 seconds and go for it. Sure, I'll repeat the question. So in the chat box, just right, and you see the, the heading I have on this slide, why do we need to address emotional well-being? Why do you think you need to address emotional well-being in your school? like that preemptive to a full meltdown that's good let me bring this mic closer Tom my volume still my volume still good
0: yeah you're doing good Ed okay yeah it's a really fascinating you know thinking right I'm you know trying to go back from when I was a special ed teacher to when I was a principal and I did things one way like I still do things I think one way and I think that's maybe the hardest part of all of this is that leadership, right, it's, it starts and ends with you, but it has nothing to do with you, right, that Simon's Hennick piece, like you have to think about everybody's level of emotional learning and emotional awareness before you start barking orders and holding people accountable and doing those things. It's a, it's a real challenge. I mean, I've never thought of it this
2: way. Yeah, and, and so we look at, all right, some of us, now some of you are on my high C's in there, all my C personality types. You might want to say, what are the benefits? Let's, let's break it down, right? So we talk about the benefits of social, emotional, you know, uh, child development. And what you'll see, you can see for yourself, I won't read to you what's right in front of you, but maybe for those on the phone, I will read it. We said that good science, right? It, it's linked to S-E-C-D, which is social, emotional, child development. But you improve social skills, improve attitudes. Now we all know, some people need to make attitude adjustments, right? And then we look at there's another benefit is the positive classroom behavior, because we all know, and it it's all it takes is a couple of people in a classroom to really throw off all the dynamics and drain the energy in the classroom, and then that might be a wash lesson unless the teacher has that skill set. To adapt, adjust, and create. Adapt to the situation, adjust the environment, and create a new situation. All right. So we get we get into how does it work, right? And, and like I said, it's is that and we're, we're sitting here, we're thinking, how do we plan for the year, for the coming up year? How do we pos- position ourselves? Well, everybody talks about the importance of evidence-based programs, because there's so many programs out there. Uh, and, and it's kind of like the cat. The Kathy was asking the other person, hey, ha, how do you know it's working? Did, have you had any success? So I recommend doing, grabbing some, con, some some resources that are evidence-based. I go back to Cassell, Cassell has great tools. Uh, I love what they have right now. They got webinars happening, and they have a COVID-19 resources. I recommend everybody goes to their site. Um, and so what do we mean? We go through one, create, the, the first box is about culture. The second one is providing that social emotional competency, uh, instruction. I recommend teaching students, teaching parents the language of social emotional learning. What you'll see is an increase in a more, a community where people begin to care a little bit more. They might approach things a little different. And what we wanna do is that we wanna have growth. Uh, I won't go through this slide all the way, but I thought it's important because sometimes we say, well, we gotta t- teach the core. But I would say social emotional learning is what we also have to embed in what we do. We look at what are people, what skill sets do you look for in a new hire? Yeah, you know, how many of you ever sat and conducted an interview And on paper, the person is polished. And then, oh, my God, you you sit down and you interview them. You go from question two to question seven. Hey, do you have any questions for us? Because they lack certain essential skills that we often call the soft skills. And we think about who are we going to put in key positions and what skills are really important. And how do we develop those skills with with our people? I'll I'll pick one of the ones right here where it says students demonstrate awareness of other people's emotions and perspectives. I said hire for school, fire for character. Hey, I I love that one, right? But we look at how do students demonstrate the skill what do employers look for? Understand customers' expectations. I wish we had more time. I would tell you about a story of doing a training in Paraguay I went with John and about 250 other people from around the world, John Maxwell. And I'll tell you this a little bit. I'm sitting here. They must not have told this one guy. He was a manager of this company that we were coming and that his team had to listen to the training. We were doing a value-based roundtables training. And this guy sat there for the first part of the training, arms folded and just like this. The guy had an attitude like no other. And so I leaned in. I said, we're going to take a 15-minute break. Then I leaned into my translator, and I had a young guy who was, was watching to see how to do this stuff. And I said, this guy's energy is dangerous. And so I had to call a timeout. That's why they got a break. But now I'm going to have to deal with his attitude. And so I asked this one question. And I said, just out of curiosity, I play possum. I said, how does this company make its money? And the guy says, sells. He said, sales. He said, sales is the most important part of the company. I said, okay, sales. So, so what is it, how does it work? How does the sale process work? The guy goes through. He says, well, my guys are on the floor. And the customer walks in. And my guys will go and work with the customer. And he said, maybe the customer's coming in to buy one thing. But we want to upsell them to some other things. I said, oh, so th- is that how sales work? And the guy didn't know. I had a background in sales. I've sold over a million dollars worth of stuff and average 130% of my quota when I was doing it. But I said, now, what if the person doesn't have enough money to make the purchase? He said, no problem. We take them to the credit, to finance. I said, okay, they go to finance. Now, what happens when they go to the finance person, and the person in finance has a real bad attitude? He said, that's not good. I said, why not? He said, that's not good, because then the customer will get upset. they might leave. And I said, well, this is what I'm teaching you about values, is that, everybody plays a role. And I said, this last question, who hires your salespeople and the finance people? And a little lady piped up, raised her hand. She said, oh, that's me. I'm HR. And what I was explaining is that everybody has to work together and everybody has to understand the customer's experience. Back in my administrative days, I would talk to uh, my teachers and I would share with them. I said, look, You got to understand school is like a business and where we are, schools drive real estate. And so there's a certain level of service that we're going to provide to our students and our parents. There's an experience that they have to have. So if a parent is asking you to call them back in a timely manner, let's talk about how we can make sure that happens. All right. And, and so what I want to show you in this time that we have left, and I know is a long presentation, a couple of takeaways. As you're, planning, as you're planning for next year, take a step back and look at what does your school stand for? And Tom, we're good. I got you. And so we look at what does your school stand for? Not just the academics, but what does it stand for? I'll give you an example of our school our school is about the experience. We want you to experience excellence. We build, and we build partnerships and we have the core values, but the vision is excellence. Then we look at what messages are communicated through your actions. Everything we do sends a message. The message is excellence. And so begin to look at what is it that you communicate in this critical time right now, How are you going to communicate with your parents and your prospects, your prospective parents over over this, during this time? What will you do? And then we look at, some of you might be familiar with the Gallup data. I'll share some of our old data and then we've just been building on for the last seven years. But engagement, well-being, hope. You know, all, all of those things are very important and while we, we scored well, we never settle on the award. We've had awards. Uh, my principal, you guys might've heard a guy named Joey Jones, Dr. Joey Jones, good friend of mine. Uh, he was, uh, he just went through last year as the, uh, he was runner up to the national principal of the year, but great guy. And we all have a team. We have a dream team, but we use data to drive our innovation of new programs. Uh, I'll give you a couple of, other takeaways. When we understand that hope, now more than any time, hope is that critical layer, right? And in that critical layer of the foundation of excellence, kids and parents and staff need a little hope. Take 20 seconds, just read what's in front of you. What's happening under the roof of your school, both virtually and when you get back in your buildings? It's something to discuss with your teams. And we begin to look at how can you use social emotional learning to nurture and increase student engagement, well-being, and hope? Uh, what, I, what I do I, th- uh, three days a week, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, I run a Zoom. Drop in Zoom for any kid who wants to jump in. Uh, I got Monday Matters, Wednesday, uh, Wellness Wednesday, and Fun Friday. Teachers complained about kids once they were able to see each other. The teacher said, well, look, the kids are are so busy interacting with each other, I can't do my lesson. I said, well, because the kids want to get, they're social beings. They want to connect. And so I said, all right, tell you what, I got it. Monday, Wednesday, Friday, 11 to 12, Ed Reed will take care of Monday Matters, uh, Wellness Wednesday, and Fun Friday. I'm not teaching them a lesson. I do on Monday to get organized, but Wednesday and Friday, man, we're doing all kinds of fun things. I had a little girl break on her guitar and start singing, and the other kids, oh, let me get my ukulele. She's sitting there playing a ukulele, and we had laughter. We had engagement. And then that set us up. That was the primer, To look at how can we begin to adapt, you know, to the situation and be innovative to create a new safe space, even if it was a virtual space. Because what happens is those little things make a big difference. All right. And as I'm wrapping up, we have some practical applications. right. Here's a couple of them. Greet all students by the name, and we know this, but we got to remember to do that. In the Zoom, check on your kids. Call them by name, right? Give them opportunities to reflect on what they've learned and what they might want to learn next. Don't underestimate. I could tell you what I'm doing real time. I have a team, and I've tasked the team to come up with enrichment online enrichment because in case we don't go back as soon as we would like to go back we have to be able to do something in addition not instead of in addition to the normal core classes the additional things are going to be the hooks because we want them to have a great experience so we will be doing some surveys over the summer about things that you're interested in and why send our kids to another site instead of creating it ourselves. I don't wanna send my kids to go, hey, you can go to this site and find that. Why can't we do it? Who in the building can have a little fun with these kids and do something that's not more work, but something that's engaging and fun. So we create the tools that are necessary to help the kids, right? Uh, So what do we know? Every space is the right place for social-emotional learning school every space is the right space and what's not on this chart is the virtual learning classroom now so let's recap your next steps look at the people on your team everybody has a role to play because they're on the team from the building service worker to the cook everybody has a role to play because they're part of your community and then you got to begin to collaborate begin to think about what can you do now To create a togetherness with your community. I know one time and I had talked earlier and said, well, some people were trying to figure out, well, how do I keep my kids from going to another school? Remember, education is a business. You can love kids and still run a business to help kids. And what you do, you create the experience that keeps your customer with you. Why would your customer weather the storm with you? Because they don't want to give up the experience they had with you. Some people are still paying gym memberships and they can't go to the gym, but their loyalty to the people of the gym, because of the experience that they had says, I'm going to hang in there with you. We're going to weather this storm. I, I got you. I'm not leaving you. So, it's, but it's the relationship, is the experience. So, when we look at social emotional learning, we're looking at not just within our building, but we're looking at homes and communities. We're looking at family and community partnerships. You know, John Maxwell asked the question. He says, "Who do you know that I need to know? Who do you know that I should know?" In your communities, you got opportunities for sponsorships. You have opportunities to create togetherness, a sense of camaraderie to overcome the obstacle. Everybody likes a good fight. Everybody likes the underdog. And when you don't put yourself above your people, but you say, hey, I'm right here with you. I'm going to scrap right with you. And this is the old knucklehead side of me coming out. But those that are going to run with you, those that are going to watch your back with you, roll up their sleeves and get dirty with you, they'll also protect you and keep you. At the end of the day, what do we know? We know social-emotional learning is not one more thing on your plate. It's the whole plate. It's the whole plate. And then we put the other things on the plate. Now, what I'm going to do is, because I know I've kept you a long time. I kept you much longer than I planned on keeping you. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to share some resources with you. Uh, I'm going to share a couple of current articles a couple of uh, things that I've downloaded from the Cassell organization and some of the organizations that are out here doing the work. There's some organizations out here that wanna sell you and had you come in and go to their conference and all that stuff. But I like to go to some of those primary sources and that is Cassell is the very best one that's out there, a nonprofit organization who are constantly putting out good information. And then I'll give you some articles that I've read that I think are very timely and critical at this point. Tom, thank you for allowing me to go over. I just looked at the clock and I'm like, oh my God. Yeah, uh, you're your fine. It's outpowered your D. <laughs> Ed,
0: I don't want, listen, if folks need to walk off, they can walk off. It's fine, we'll stay on as long as we need because that last slide, can you put that last slide back up that um, it's the whole <laughs> plate? Like, Like, wow, like, it's and I and I wrote in the box. It's usually the last thing we plan for, right? It's the first thing to get cut out of our budget. It's it's the last thing. Some of us. It's the last thing I plan for. I could you know definitely tell you. I won't speak for any other principal. I never thought about this, right? I I I thought it had something to do with it, but I mean, what an incredible piece there. And and so you know, going back to Ed's, you know, I've got a ton of notes here, but it was about. It was really about. You know that experience what experience do you want your families and your students to have we've talked about that a lot uh since march 14th when we've you know first started this call and so what experience do you want them coming back because now they have experienced it and they're asking all their other you know uh you know parent friends hey what was your remote learning experience like what was yours like so the more that you create an experience that everybody will love they'll come back I mean that's why we go back to the same restaurants even if the food's not that great or we go back to certain you know places for uh, vacation because we remember the experience and that was really great Ed that that whole piece and so you know what other questions anybody have any questions or thoughts uh, for Ed Um, I see some kudos coming in so tell Ed what was maybe one good takeaway that you had from him so he knows that you know he, he did a good job here and I'll make sure I share Ed's contact info and he's going to send me some resources. So probably in the next 24 hours, you'll get something from me, maybe a little bit longer, everybody. So hang in there. Um, but that was my number one takeaway was the experience piece. I just, I just, you know, I know it's important, but I don't think about it. It's probably well, well, because I, how
2: I'm wired. Let me give you this piece. So when, when my dad, when I was right out of college, all right, my dad asked me to go into one of our contract sites. And I was probably about 21, 22 years old. And we had a contract with the with EPA, the Environmental Protection Agency. Now, I, I ran different things with our operations. I used to run our airport operations right from my dorm room. And you know, that's back in the day when you would go went out and bought, bought a 50-foot uh, phone cord, right? You, know, you guys remember the big thing before you got a, a wireless phone was the long phone cord. And I would walk around with a phone in the phone court, but more importantly was we had a, a, a large contract and there was a guy who wouldn't get along with the contracting officer, our project manager. And so they had to let him, they had to help him transition to some other things that would fit his personality because he was butting heads with the guy who reviewed if we were going to get the contract extension. So my dad said, Ed, you start tomorrow, Bill's gone. you're in. Don't blow it. Don't lose the contract. And what, what happened is that it was all about the relationship. It's about the relationship. Now here I am, some young snapper, still you know coming off of the knucklehead, but I understood money, and I understood that I'm working for this guy, not my dad, and I had to be a good listener. And then the funniest thing was the folks who were in their 30s, 40s, and 50s, they said, what do you want us to call you? And I said, just call me coach. And I realized that early on, now Siri's trying to jump in the conversation, but what I learned, how important it is to be humble is never about the title. I had the title because I'm the owner's son, the project manager. But what I learned was that people will work better and produce more if you treat them with respect, you don't exalt yourself, always stay humble, but always listen. And not just listen with your ears, listen with your heart, listen to your intuition about what you feel, listen in your mind to process and learn. And then, when we put ourselves in that position, we find ourselves better equipped to make a difference. And I carried that with me in my sales career. I can tell you I had a large account. I uh, I used to average 130%. I used to work for a company called PageNet, long time ago, long, long time ago. And I never forget the owner of a uh, construction company, he said, Ed, if it was not for you, I was gonna take a box of all these pagers and come throw them at the customer service rep who left me on the phone for an hour, on hold for an hour. He said, I wanted to see how long I was gonna be left on hold. And so I share that story with you is that sometimes our students, our parents, and even our teachers, they will have some bad experiences on our watch. But what would make the difference is when they pull a withdrawal from the relationship bank of the relationship that you have created with them, sometimes they're going to make withdrawals. And when they pull that withdrawal, that makes a world of difference from keeping them from leaving you, and so you know, and I don't mean to go on and on and on, but I would just tell you that relationship is so critical. So right now, what do we know? Parents have options, and if you t- you can promise them the world, hey, we're gonna do this, we're gonna do that. Please don't, please stick with us now. But imagine this. Thank you for being with us, and we're in the process of creating something. That's going to be really dynamite, but in order for it to be outstanding or dynamite, I need to do, I want to get your input. What is your, what do you think your kid needs? And begin to get their input. You could do surveys, but a conversation before the survey makes the survey go a whole lot better. But don't make the mistake that a lot of people do, they throw out the, uh, they throw out a survey before there's a conversation. And they think just because they emailed the survey, that people are going to respond to it. And nobody yeah. think about no survey if you don't put it on the front of mine.
0: Yeah, that's that's a great idea. Like making a video or doing some sort of Facebook Live ahead of time and saying that this survey is coming out, and here's the why behind it, and that's why it's important that you because that that's the that's the relational part. Don't be minding the chat box that I see you looking at. Don't worry about it. It's just all the other side-like conversations. Right. You stay focused. I <laughs> Good
2: observation, man. So, I'm going to keep focused.
0: One more so thing and re- then re- we got to go.
2: Go for it. All right. Look, remember I said earlier about the influencers, right? Who are the influencers? Who, how are you influencing the influencers? Influence the influencers by bringing them in. Who do you know that's the parent that has the voice that is the voice that has the ears of the other parents. All right? All right? Who, who is influencing? That's the person you bring in. Maybe, just a suggestion, you might even want to do a book study, right, with, with your parents. I'll give you an example of one that, that I'm going to do. There's a great book called Permission to Fill. How many of you guys have heard of this book, Permission to Fill? Never heard of it. Great book guy named Mark Brackett hopefully you can see that Mark Brackett permission to fill and he has he now he goes all over the country talking to superintendents he's a guy out of Yale and that's it yep and he goes all over talking to CEOs and superintendents now why both CEOs and superintendents because at the end of the day everybody's in the people business Whether you're making cars or whether you are doing agricultural work or engineering, you still work through people. And going through this book, there's this great chart, right? And you can't see it clearly, but I'll send a PDF of it where if you can get there and have your parents, because here's the hook right? here's the hook to lean in. The hook is this you're giving parents a resource. Hey, we're gonna talk about this permission to fill. Now you take your core people, your core influencers, and you do your own roundtable discussion virtually, maybe about seven or eight good influencers and grab one of your APs. Then you have your, you model for your AP how to do it. Then you have your AP do the same thing with some key teachers. Then you have some key teachers do the same thing with some influential students. And why? Because we're making dealing with emotions more acceptable. We are all recognizing that we have emotions. And his book, Permission to Feel, is a great book because it's easy to connect to. He writes in plain speech. All right, so that, that's another tip. And then for you guys who you my high season and who really like to read, I'm showing you this. what's at the, top of my, the tip of my fingers. This other one is called The Developing Mind. A great author, Dan Siegel. I don't know how many of you guys have heard of Dan Siegel. Dan Siegel, he is a leader in the community in terms of just like psychology and mind. And you begin to understand, the more we understand the developing mind, the better position we are to increase our level of self-awareness so that we can create and listen to the word create appropriate strategies that are based in how the mind is being developed at different stages. And I guarantee you this, if a kid has a great experience at your school, be it online or in the building, the parents will hear about it. If the kid has a bad experience, You're going to hear about it. If they have a good experience and the parents say, well, you know, we got to decide if we're coming back or not, the kid will be your number one advocate to keep you at the school, to keep them at that school. And so what do you do in lean times? You create the experience, something new that they haven't experienced, but let them help you so that they can own part of it. And when they own part of it, it's harder to walk away versus when you just give it. You know how it is. People will fight you for what they work for, but they'll go the other way. If you just give it to them, they didn't have to put any skin in the game. But when you own a little something, you're not going to just give it up as easily. And so uh, last thing I'll share with you, because I don't want to take all your time, there are Harvard Business Reviews has some great resources, and it is, um, I just got an article, uh, I don't know how many of you might subscribe to the Harvest Business Review, but it's really last, uh, probably last six, seven months, they've been focusing a lot on the emotional side of things, so what are they telling corporate leaders, hey, we got to talk about how do you lead in Christ. but they've also been talking about emotional intelligence, right, uh, I'm going to show you two more books, Tom, and I'm out, man, I'm going to leave it alone. You, this got, is a great you got 30 seconds, Ed. All right, well-being is a great one.
0: <laughs> well-being, all right.
2: Well-being, that's by uh, The Five Essential Elements, the same people who wrote Strength Finders. And the last one, so you see what's right on my fingertips. I was telling you about the Harvard piece. So this comes out of the—it's a set out of the uh, business, Harvard Business Review Emotional Intelligence uh, series. And it focuses on mindfulness. Uh, you can see all that in front of you. So what do we know? We know emotions are important. What do we know in the business world? Take care of the emotions. You stay in the red. Excuse me. Yeah, you stay in the black, not the red. You we'll won't be in the black. Mm-hmm. But you, when you see that corporate leaders are starting to spend more time focusing on the experience of their customers, and the emotional well-being of their key people. We got this. We know people. You guys know people. Just don't get lost in all the data, but use the data, put it on the SEL plate and go serve a world-class meal. Because all of you are already great chefs. Create a new recipe and serve it to your folks. Hey, Tom, thanks for having me, buddy. You're welcome,
0: man appreciate you. <laughs> Everybody give Ed for that overtime. I didn't pay him for that overtime. He just kept on throwing it out there. So I put Ed's email in there and we'll send his contact. If you want more, Ed, ask for more Ed. He will, he will certainly give it to you. And that'd be very cool to have Ed help you with some roundtables and uh, give you some uh, suggestions because roundtables are extremely powerful. So thanks, Ed, so much for your time
2: you coming gotta, out of Maryland. to keep it in a time frame if I have to.
0: <laughs> no, indeed. You got to bring the, uh, bring the crabs from Maryland, though, if you come down to North Carolina, Though, we need some of your good stuff. So more red people are screaming for. All right. So let's, so let's roll around. Rhonda, we got anything on a legislative standpoint that we want to make sure that we at least give a 30-second a, you know, attention to? I know there was an Office of Charter Schools DPI call, and they shared some things. I believe I heard there's going to be a call Wednesday at 3 for superintendents that they're going to invite charter schools to. Mm-hmm. Is that correct? Did everybody hear that too, or was I dreaming?
1: I didn't hear the date, but they did say that charter schools are going to be invited to the superintendent call, and it looks like they're going to start spacing their calls out every couple of weeks. Um, What I heard was that they hadn't actually cemented on a date and time yet, but they did mention uh, Wednesday at 3 as a possibility. Got it. So they did talk about the Jumpstart program, and I know there have been a lot of questions about that. Katie put the link to a document that I created. I mean, it's really very rudimentary. It basically pulls out the jumpstart parameters from House Bill 1043. So if you want to just take a look at that, I'm sure that the guidance document that uh, that DPI will come out with will use that um, as a framework and more than likely their guidance document will be attached to the state board of uh, education agenda and they the state board meets next week so um, when that agenda is released you might see the attachment on there lately they have been known to just you know (laughs) put attachments into the agenda even during the meeting which can be a little frustrating but um but that guidance document for JumpStart will be part of the State Board of Education meeting next week.
0: Yeah, And it seems like, you know, from a charter school perspective, if you're a charter school leader on this call, it's really about the date, right? I mean, when when can we start? What does the JumpStart program look like? Can we do it throughout the year? I mean, those are the common questions that I'm seeing, um, you know, throughout. So when you do have it, everything I just said is very important, right? What's that experience going to be like? Because we you know, you know, remember, this is preschool. This is preschool year. So there's an opportunity here for you to jumpstart your enrollment. Uh, if you're worried about it, right, make sure that other people might have an opportunity yet to do that. And we'll learn more of what that is, hopefully, in it, hopefully by June 5th. my goodness, because it's going to start like a month later. So. So, okay, so that's so that's it from a legislative standpoint. Yes. Cool. Thanks, Rhonda. And anybody, what about from, I saw Amanda was on. I don't know if she's still on. I think Amanda just had some end of the year stuff that they wanted just to to refresh everybody's mind on. If you're still with us, Acadia. But we've got uh, an end of the year checklist as well. I know that was something you were asking for, Rhonda. So we had shared out, we've got our um, summer through the first 20 days of school checklist available to everybody. It should be in your, in your school leader COVID packet that we put together. If it's not, Katie and I will make sure that you've got it. It's in the Blueprint program if you're part of that. How about Olivia? I see Olivia Myers is with us. So, Olivia, anything from technology standpoint besides collecting all your stuff? I see her. She's there. She's not unmuted, though. Oop, Siri just came on. <laughs> oh, Olivia said she cannot unmute oh, herself herself. Now I'm unmuted. Yeah.
2: Oh, yeah, you have go. me locked. <laughs> Sorry. Yes. Nothing new from us, um, just make sure that you are keeping in mind that the shipping dates are still really far out right now. Um, so if you're looking at new technology, um, just plan for it not being here until August.
0: Mm. Well, that, that'll be huge, right? If you have to do a remote jumpstart programs, you don't have your technology, that'll be an issue. Yes. Okay.
3: And Lisa Gordon-Stella had to jump, but she wanted to share some talking points about, the, about you know, for media for schools around the PPP, so I'm adding that to the chat as well.
0: Yeah, there was a big article that came out yesterday about charter schools double-dipping and just, you know, these things will come out, right? We know they're going to.
1: Yeah, the media toolkit that uh, Katie shared is one that I shared a few weeks ago when schools were considering whether or not they would apply for the Paycheck Protection Program loan. If you did apply and uh, were granted that loan, you might want to take a look at the media toolkit because uh, the article that Tom is referring to that came out yesterday was a hit piece on charter schools and the PPP. So take a look at that.
0: And Amanda, I had to make you a co-host. I can't unmute you either, but I know you're trying to. So it looks like you're good now. Go ahead, Amanda. Sorry about that.
3: That's okay. Hi, everyone. Um, Just a reminder that for the schools um, eligible to receive PRC 163 funds, remember, even though you are eligible for those funds, you must submit an application and a budget in BAS. And um, they really should have been... In yesterday, because we have some that are coming back um, that have been denied, and we have to resubmit them. So, please, if you have not already done that, please do that as soon as possible. The deadline for approval is June first.
0: Yeah, and that and that would be for funding that they're going to get in addition, right? It's not like a PPP type thing. That's part of the funding that's already uh, potentially coming in, right, Amanda?
3: Right, this is the ESSER funding, yep. and uh, any schools that receive Title I funds in the 1920 school year are eligible for those funds. However, you must submit the application to actually receive the
0: funds. Yes, don't miss that. They're gonna give you funding, use it. And right, I think the insurance people uh, hopped out, but they did not have anything uh, the last I saw when I saw an email. So uh, anything else from anybody? Anything for the good of the group. If you're having trouble unmuting yourself, let us know, send a message. If not, I'm gonna unmute you all and say goodbye to Ed if you can. Thanks Ed for your time today, it was awesome. Thank you Ed. I, I've got thank so much you, to think Ed. about and work on. <laughs> I'm working
2: on the emails to send you some resources. All man. right Ed, thank
0: you. Okay. Thank, okay. Care, thank you Rhonda as always, and for hanging in there, or Steve Joyner Consulting, Olivia Myers, and Acadian North Star Expertise. Lisa Gordon-Stell and, of course, Katie Ridenour. Bye, everybody. Have a great and wonderful day.
3: Bye. 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 Bye.